What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 125. I am your host, Matt Hanfin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, we're halfway through the season. Already. Already. Four games in, we're halfway through the season. How weird is that? We've talked about it. It's weird. It's already weird. But you know what? At this point, I'm kind of used to it a little bit. I know I know that sounds weird just saying that, but... There's I, in no world am I used to an eight-game schedule. You know, I just... I know we keep saying this every podcast. I'm just so happy Nevada football plays every week because hopefully, yeah, I keep knocking on wood there. But so far, games are in college football are being canceled like wildfire. Yes, and once again, you're seeing games within the conference being moved and postponed. It's not good. So the fact that we're able to just stay in state, rack up the wins through four weeks, and yeah, I, I really don't think you can ask for much better. So already through midseason, sweet. Four more to go, and hopefully we'll see some bowl appearances. Yeah, Nevada picked up a 27-20 win over New Mexico on Saturday. Not the prettiest game by any standards, but hey, a win is a win. They don't all come pretty. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, not the best of performances on both sides of the ball. Many improvements, Mm -hmm. and I think you saw some of the deficiencies, some of the things that the pack can really kind of improve upon. I know we touched upon the offensive line last week and some of the improvements that it needs to make in order to keep strong upright. And it wasn't pretty on that end at all. No, it wasn't. But first, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, Nevada basketball schedule was announced today, both men's and women's. We talked about it last week. We finally have a schedule. How relieved do you think Steve Alford is right now? Finally. He might be in the mode where it's, okay, thank you. We have a schedule. I don't think there's any, like, relief. He's just, thank you for giving us a schedule. Now we got to prepare for that. Thank you. Because Western Kentucky, who Nevada plays first on November 25th, they're a good team. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we're eight days away. That's so crazy. Think about that. You just got eight, your schedule. Eight days away? That just, like, hit me like a Mack truck. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. <laughs> oh, man. Think about that. It just and reminds you... me I have more stuff to write, Isaiah. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Hey, same here. We're all in the same boat. Right. <laughs> but eight days away. Wow. I'm... So they start out with Western Kentucky in the Grand Window Classic on November 25th, November 26th. They also play in that Grand Window Classic. That's going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. We don't know who they play in that second game yet on November 26th. Then we play Pacific on November 20 or on November 30th actually at home. That's going to be our first home game of the season. Then we have a home road series versus San Francisco, December 2nd and then we're on the road at San Francisco December 6th. I have a friend who goes to San Francisco. That's kind of cool. We're at Grand Canyon on December 11th, and then we're at University of San Diego on December 14th, and that's going to be our seven-game non-conference schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an interesting one. I was very surprised to see that, but ultimately, some non-conference games at this point, big thumbs up, because I really thought it was just going to be conference only, but we kind of fared well in non-conference last year. I really think we can do the same this season, and you know, we'll obviously get into more of the matchups as the week's you know, as the season prepares, but just so far looking at a quick glimpse at our non-conference schedule, it's looking solid. I think we got good mix of competition that we can really kind of step up and really see what the Wolfpack look like right now. I mean, I think obviously, especially in basketball, you're going to see some growing pains, especially with this team early on. So having those kind of non-conference games to start your year can really help you come conference play. So really looking forward to that kind of aspect of it I guess you could say yeah I think we'll do better non-conference than we did last year last year we weren't that good because we ran into Utah we ran into Davidson 
we ran into just a bunch of different like quality schools and then we really picked it up in conference play as we finished tied for third in the conference tied for second tied for second in the conference my bad so let's get into the conference schedule we're at home we start at home with a home series okay let's go over the overview of how the mountain west schedule works again we talked about it last week but we'll reiterate for those who didn't listen to that podcast there's going to be a 20 game mountain west conference schedule each team will play separate teams in their own location on back-to-back game. But then we start out with Air Force on December 18th and December 20th. We play Air Force at home. And then we have New Mexico on the road December 31st and January 2nd. We hit, we're at San Diego State on January 7th and January 9th. We're home against Fresno State on January 14th and January 16th. We're at Wyoming January 22nd and January 24th. We're at home versus UNLV. January 31st, February 2nd. We're home against Boise State, February 5th and 7th. Then we're at San Jose State, February 13th and February 15th. We're home against Colorado State, February 19th and February 21st. And then we conclude the 20-game season at Utah State, February 25th and February 27th. Wow. I mean, That was a lot. I'm that sorry. That is a lot. But <laughs> no, it's with this new kind of format, I can see how the conference – is kind of shaping up to be, you know? It's going to be, obviously, it's going to be different with these kind of new formats going on, but if it ultimately protects the players, coaches on the court, I'm all for it because I know it's going to be, you know, just kind of like jam-jammed, you know, having boom-boom, here comes two games, and then kind of having like, you know, some downtime before you play your next opponent. But if that's the case, I mean you can't really ask for much better in terms of a conference schedule because we're still playing all opponents. And at that point, you can really, at least you could develop some sort of consistency, right, throughout the rest of the year. And I think that'd be, you know, if I'm a head coach in the Mountain West at this point with the new schedule changes, I'd be taking that because I'd much rather kind of have something to look forward to each and every week rather than just having something canceled or postponed on the spot. And with this kind of format, a lot of that may not happen because it gives those teams leeway, you know, gives them some leeway to see what would happen if something were to occur. So in that aspect, yeah, I'm kind of all for it. One initial thing that I took away from looking at the schedule was the variety of of when the games are. Because usually when we get into conference, they're Tuesday and Saturday, sometimes they're Wednesday, but now you're getting Tuesday games, you're getting Thursday games, you're getting Sunday games, Sunday college basketball, Sunday Nevada basketball. You're getting a couple Monday games, I think. So you're getting all these games, so there's not not necessarily consistent when is this game going to be or how many days prepared do we have or how many days do we have to prepare for this game, if that makes sense. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you have to be on the spot in this day and age at this point, and with everything going on, I mean, I think it'll be kind of cool. You know, we could just have a random Wednesday Nevada basketball game, like you said, a Sunday, something on the weekend, so... It's not going to be your regular scheduled format here this year. So I guess we'll just have to make the most of it and see how this year progresses throughout everything. It's a weird week-to-week like habit because we'll be playing series on like Saturday and then like Monday and then Friday and Sunday. wonder if that affects the players. I don't know. If it they, could. I mean, it, it could, affects rest. Definitely. But at in- least they'll be staying in the same location and they'll be playing the same team. It's almost like a mini bubble of sorts of what the NBA has gone through this year. Just like 
four percent of it. No, not it's. It, I compare it to more like Major League Baseball, how you're playing it serious. Instead of it being consecutive days, it'd be a day off. But you get you're staying in the same location and you're playing a certain amount of games in a week versus a given team. And this time it'll be two, not three or four, like it is in baseball. But that's where I kind of draw the closest comparison. And it's like you're going to be playing the same team in the same location. So it may not affect him that much how it's going like every other day or on like a Friday to a Sunday. But it's still an interesting routine, I would say. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's just something for the players and coaches to adjust to each and every day. Having some sort of, if you need, if there's another basketball game going on, not much time to really, you know, hone in and focus on things. I guess that means even more emphasis on practice and shoot arounds. How important are those going to be this year? Those have got to be crucial now that the schedule's kind of coming out. Like, yeah, those even are. Practices are already crucial, but even more so this year. If you really want to go over the game plan and stuff like that, man. Hopefully, when we get to the UNLV. Boise State slate of things at Lawler will get some fans in there, but especially with COVID, you can't really bank on fans coming at all right now. Oh, definitely. I'm not expecting any sort of fans to happen this basketball season. You've seen the COVID cases rise here. Washoe County is becoming another hot spot. So (laughs) um, some serious restrictions may be happening within the next week or so if things don't (laughs) pan out. So that's going to be unfortunate. It's not even, you know, it's not even touching on attending college athletics games, so. Mm-hmm. And since we've been talking so much about the men's, let's talk about the women's a little bit. They start the season at home against San Francisco on Friday, November 27th, so two days after the Nevada basketball season starts. They actually have a time for their game, 2 p.m. I like that. <laughs> and then it, they're on like a back-to-back because the next day they play, they're at home against William Jessup at 2-2. Two, two. At 2-2. Two, two. At 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. as well. 2 yes. p.m. also. <laughs> <laughs> their first conference game will be right, or their first conference series per se will be right after that at Air Force on December 4th and December 6th. But then they also conclude their non-conference with at Sacramento State on December 12th, home against Fresno Pacific on December 18th, on the road at St. Mary's on December 21st, and that kind of concludes their non-conference. They'll finish the rest of their conference schedule at home versus, or not finish the rest of it, but they'll start the rest of their conference schedule at home versus New Mexico on December 31st and January 2nd. And then they'll ha- they'll still be at home January 7th and January 9th versus San Diego State. They'll be on the road at Fresno State January 14th and January 16th. They'll be at home versus Wyoming January 22nd and January 24th. They'll be on the road against UNLV January 30th and February 1st. They'll be on the road versus Boise State February 7th and February 3rd. They'll be at home versus San Jose State February 13th and February 15th. They'll be on the road versus Colorado State February 19th and February 21st. They'll be on, they'll, And then they'll conclude their season at home versus Utah State on February 25th and February 27th. Just another interesting slate of games. Man, I've been talking way too fast. I No, no. I mean, you have to get through these games. There's just <laughs> so many of them. We can't really, I know we can't really go in depth, and on future episodes we'll get into it, but... Just another interesting kind of slate of games, especially in the non-conference. You're seeing kind of more West Coast travel in a lot of ways. So let's just hope that kind of pans out because they struggled mightily last year in the non-conference slate. And toward the back end of last season against conference play, they kind of strung it together. So I'm just hoping we can see some more consistency from, once again, kind of similar to the men's group, a very young 
roster and just seeing kind of the growing pains kind of develop on the court, just seeing how that kind of all plays together. So something to look forward to at least. Yeah, I agree, and that's that's right around the corner. That's 10 days. Can you believe that? Think about that. We were talking maybe a month and a half ago, no sports at all, almost. Like, no real direction to see where well, other than other Yeah, other going. than football, there would have been. And now all of a sudden it's here. And just wait till the spring. That's going to get pretty crazy Spring as well. is going to be insane. Yeah, this is going to be an insane next few months, dude. <laughs> Overall, I mean, excited to have basketball back, both men's and women's. It's definitely just going to be an exciting year. I have some hope in both programs, and I know we'll have our basketball preview out real soon. So just looking forward to it, you know, having both football and basketball that same, you know, kind of going on together at the same time is always kind of exciting, you know, just always having something to talk about, always having something to look forward to. So Mm -hmm. it'll be fun. For sure. All right. I'm going to go get a drink of water because I've been talking way too much. We'll be right back after the break. We are back. We talked about it earlier, Nevada with a 27-20 win over New Mexico on Saturday. Not the prettiest victories. Isaiah, are you like 0-4 against the spread this season? Yes, I am. Yes. I, I can't, actually can't remember your first two games. I have lost this game against the spread. Yeah, you know. from Wait, now, no, I won this game. You I had won a, this game, I had a actually. 35-21, yeah. Yeah. I did not. And shame on me once again. So, obviously. You're just guessing incorrectly here. Don't take my word to Vegas at all, or just don't take my word whatsoever, because obviously I have been so wrong this year. We could go over it once again, but you know what? Overall, as you said, not the prettiest of wins, but something. Nonetheless, it is a win. And we moved to 4-0 for the first time since 2010, and for the ninth time in school history. I mean, we've been talking about it all year, just how great of a run this pack team has been on. I know we've kind of beaten up on some of the lower competition record-wise, and our first real challenging test is this week, which we'll get into for the preview against SDSU. But this win against New Mexico was, I just think, a big improvement. A lot of things that you can really focus upon. I mean, starting on with the offensive line, some of the struggles that they had. I think some of the struggles just the offense as a whole had. Not really having much of a consistent run game, which didn't really open up the passing game besides, once again, a few huge plays from Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs. Defensively, You know, I know we didn't really force that much pressure, didn't get in the backfield that much, and just kind of let New Mexico hang around. But ultimately, we came out of there with another win, and that's all you can ask for in an eight-game truncated season. So I was impressed with it. There's some positives to take away and a lot of improvements along the way as well. So Can we talk about, we've been talking about how, not historic, I mean, historic in a sense of how good this team has been, but We've also beaten some really bad teams. The teams that Nevada's gone against are combined 1-13. and 13. I know you can't really look at that and knock Nevada because they've taken care of business in each of those four games, but we are ranked sixth worst in the nation in strength of schedule per ESPN. It hasn't been good. Ouch. We rank 71st in schedule ahead of us, meaning like, yeah, this is going to uh, be our upcoming schedule. Yeah. I, I should mean, have phrased that better. I would say yes, most definitely. I mean, like you said, we've taken care of business, and to our credit, 
I think the product on the field has been very promising. Mm-hmm. There's a lot and a lot to take away, but I really think these next four weeks is where the real test begins to see what we are as a team and ultimately as a program. And I'm excited because the teams we've beaten up against, I think... Again, I'm not going to fault no, Nevada for that. Because not at all. you can only beat the teams that are hey, on your schedule, yeah. but at the same time... What can you say? I mean, it's not the most impressive wins by any means. I mean, you would have liked to have beaten up on New Mexico more. You would have liked to have beaten up on Wyoming more, but... I mean, yeah. Just a couple, just things to think about. And one key takeaway you can take from each of our opponents is they lack in some sort of category that Nevada has definitely taken advantage of. And as we get to more of these well-rounded and kind of stacked programs, it's going to be tough to see how Nevada is going to adjust. Are we going to be able to play from behind from a double-digit deficit at some point? Can we be able to battle back through some sort of uncertainty? Because in a lot of games, we've played with a lead in many aspects and we've seen that lead kind of diminish and we've seen some of our offensive struggles in the second half in some games so I think these four games have been a good test to kind of build up that you know that mindset hey we can win any game but now it's really time to see what the product on the field has and these next four weeks are going to show it I mean we didn't take advantage of New Mexico who ranked dead last in the nation in passing defense we only threw for 336 yards when they allowed 445 yards and at the same time, half our games we've played from behind. Not by a lot. We played from behind against New Mexico. We played from behind against Utah State. Not again, not by a lot. There were ten point and nine points. So it's not. A, yeah. We're not talking like seventeen or a three score deficit. There's I mean, some things to improve upon on both sides. And at the same time, you're seeing the commanding lead we had against Wyoming. You're mm-hmm. seeing the you know the pretty solid lead we had against UNLV at that standpoint too. So it needs to be some consistency on both ends but But there's a lot of good to take away the product on the field has been so promising and a lot a lot of positivity i mean once again where should we start should we start under center just take it away once again i know you said nevada only threw for 336 yards i mean coming into the game you would have thought nevada would have thrown for potentially 500 don't you think that number at some point though is expected to go down? Oh, for sure. The, you, of course, you want to regress back to the not want to regress back to the mean, but you're going to regress back to the mean. But at the same time, when you're facing by far the worst pass defense in the nation, it's kind of tough. But again, not all wins are pretty. No, most definitely. And I think for his part, you know, some of the pressure he faced in the pocket against New Mexico, Carson Strong performed once again, 336 yards breaking the Mountain West record for consecutive 300-yard passing games with his sixth, right? His sixth such yeah, performance. Yeah, sixth straight. He also had 299 consecutive passes without an interception that was sadly snapped. He was Six, he was seven away from tying it. Derek Carr from Fresno He was State. eight away from breaking it. It was deflating. But it also allows for a new streak to begin. Oh, most definitely. And just what Carson Strong has been able to show and progress, we've talked about it throughout these last four weeks. It's been so impressive and eye-opening. He's putting up the numbers once again, another three touchdowns to his credit. And during the post-game presser, he said this was one of his worst games. He says there was so much to improve upon. And wow, yeah, there is a lot of validity to that statement because... I don't know. if I don't think it's all his fault. It's not. It's really not. And once again, he just showcased how strong, I hate saying how punny that is, but how strong of an arm does he have he can really thread the needle downfield. It's just, we've talked about it so much, but 
Once again, the strong and Romeo Dubs connection was on full display. Romeo Dubs again. <laughs> I just like what more can we say about him? Is it crazy to think of him as like a Bolitnikov Award like watchless member with only four games on the schedule and only eight games on the season? Because everyone else who's probably going to be on the list will have a full twelve games plus potentially a thirteenth like conference game. Like, is it? Is it possible that he can get on that watch list? Because I kind of want to see it. That'd be absolutely hilarious. And I would have <laughs> laughed at you at the beginning of the year. Look at the numbers. 31 receptions for 645 yards and eight touchdowns. Through four games. He had another three touchdowns against New Mexico, along with 157 receiving yards. Yeah. Yes, on six receptions. No, it was 5 for 172. 5 for 172 and 3. Thank you for the official line. And once again, speed is on display. His ability after the catch is just going to burn you. You're going to have to start doubling him. And even when you double him, he'll just blow right past you. Bad things happen. He's just, he's been absolutely crazy. Mind boggling statistics from both of them. You want to know what he's on pace for in a full 12 game season? I'd love to hear that. 93 receptions for. 1,935 yards and 24 touchdowns. We sure we're not talking about a quarterback right there? Doesn't that sound correct? (laughs) I know that's except with the receptions, but the yards and touchdowns like that is just mind boggling. Obviously, not expecting that to translate over a full 12 games, but that's just the type of pace he's been on. And when you have back to back three touchdown games, holy crap, like. Talk about a positive from beating up on the bad teams. Yeah, he's done My his part. My goodness. <laughs> I think both of them have done their part in so many ways. So just once again, a whole nother – and this connection is just becoming more deadly by the – you know, just by each week. I know one of the – I guess you could call him a reader of Nevada Sportsnet asked Chris Murray in his upcoming mailbag if – this strong Dubs connection is already one of the best in Nevada football history. I wouldn't go that far yet, obviously, but... It's hard uh, when it's eight games. Yes, and but just strong being a redshirt sophomore, Dubs being a junior. I know he's draft eligible this year, but just something to keep an eye on because, I mean, that connection is ridiculous. I obviously think back to Kaepernick and Richard Matthews was really good. Kaepernick and... Uh, Virgil Green was underrated. Not, I know statistically it wasn't the best, but that was an underrated connection. Yeah, and the quarterbacks, uh, like Trevor Inslee, <laughs> who broke the record, and I think it was 99. So and so I wouldn't put it up there just yet, obviously, through four games, but then the numbers both of them are putting up, once again, getting Mountain West Conference Player of the Year hype, just getting national recognition. It's awesome. Something that we just haven't talked about, Nevada next year, if Dubs comes back, we'll have Elijah Cooks, Romeo Dubs, Cole Turner, Justin Lockhart. Again. Again. A fully healthy Cooks with a fully healthy Dubs is... Disgusting. It's deadly. At least with the way Dubs is playing right now. Hopefully that translates over. If he doesn't go to the draft. You never know. I mean, it's one one of our advantages this year that you mentioned, you know, before the season began was our continuity. And our off-season reps, I think that's coming on full display offensively. And you mentioned Cole Turner. Once again, safety valve 
just always there on third down, always there over the middle. He is that 40-yard one, that 41-yard reception he had was... That was an insane catch. What a great catch. He was draped, and he still caught that. He finished the game with a team-high six receptions for 72 yards, and he's just a threat. He's another one that just uses his big body and his athleticism to create plays, and Strong and him have that connection, too. It's not to the extent, obviously, of Dubs and Strong, but... The, just tight having, end, the tight end that doesn't play like a tight end. He doesn't. No, it's wide receiver lining up there. And he's got the athleticism and the size to do it. And the, some of the ability after the catch, he's just, with him, Lockhart, and Dubs right now, I mean, that wide receiving unit has just been on full display. Although we did have 27 points, we still struggled mightily in the beginning in our first few drives. New Mexico all game was thrown all sorts of type of different blitzes, stunts, at strong and different looks up front there'd be times where there'd be two defensive ends and you would have like three or four guys in a two-point stance like crowding the line of scrimmage and someone be blitzing someone not be so rocky long did a really good job of just mixing up different blitzes cornerback blitzes linebacker blitzes safety blitzes like all throughout the game and nevada's offensive line just couldn't handle it for the most part and we saw a strong either get rid of the ball. He was out of the pocket a lot. He got sacked a couple times. He only got sacked twice. It felt like he got sacked like five times. But he was forced out of the pocket a lot. There were times where he just didn't look comfortable. No, you're absolutely right. And this is one of the things you touched upon these last couple weeks is when Nevada starts facing these type of front sevens and seeing more blitzes, how is Strong and the rest of the Nevada offense going to kind of respond? And we saw it sputter. You know, at various moments last week, and ultimately Strong, I think, started finding his connection and started to find his groove a little bit. And I think it all kind of started with some of those easier throws over the middle, a couple check down options before the big plays really began just to kind of find his rhythm. But at any point, you saw that a big play can happen. And I think those big plays, you know, the big play to Dubs, the 41-yard catch by Turner to start the game, just kind of gets our offense rolling right away. If we can start clicking on that, while consistently moving down the field and mixing in more diver, you know, more options and everything like that. That's one of the things I took away from kind of last week's win was, yeah, there were some big struggles, but ultimately what got us to 4-0 is still there. Big plays. Yeah, and there wasn't – there were just times like at the beginning of the game, strong started like one for six, and part of that was a couple catchable passes that weren't caught there was, I think, a couple potentially missed PIs. There was contact on both sides. So, I mean, there's hand fighting. So that could go either way. And then there was one rollout where Strong was rolling to his left. I think it was on a third and long and threw it, like, way behind Cole Turner. And it was almost picked. But then again, rolling, throwing when you're rolling to your left is a hard throw. And Strong, most of the time, makes it look easy. But there was just some inaccuracies. There was some overthrows there were some underthrows that were almost picked so thankfully that he only had one turnover but throughout the game again he just didn't look as comfortable as he has been but it's just the way it is sometimes and Nevada's offensive line will find a way to communicate on the line and communicate who you're blocking and yeah most definitely I mean the offensive line to any offense is the stability it's what makes your offense go without that a lot of it deteriorates and we saw bits and pieces of that throughout, you know, all four quarters. There's some sort of dis, you know, some sort of continuity issue. And I think 
you know what? Credit New Mexico, like you said, for they looked a lot better up. than they did in their first two games. Definitely, and credit. I thought they were physical at the line of scrimmage defensively. Yeah, Nevada couldn't get a push. I mean, it was you saw a run game shut down in many aspects, and that was one of the things that we saw, kind of trending in an upward direction over the past two weeks was our reliance on the run game to open up more of our offense. That did not happen against New Mexico's defensive front. Yeah, and if there was yeah, there was a time where late in the game, about I think went for on a third and long or, or third and short or fourth and short, and Toa or no, it was Devonte got bottled up in the backfield for a loss. Of, we were in like a like a two or three tight end personnel, and we still couldn't get much of a push. They were getting a push all night with just the different looks that they were giving us. Definitely, and it's you know this was a new test for us a little bit because we were kind of I'm not trying to say pushed around. But in some aspects, they really matched us physically. And as we progress throughout the schedule, we're going to be facing a lot of big bodies up front. We need to... Cameron Thomas next weekend. Oh, my goodness. Don't even... Keyshawn Banks next weekend. Yeah, can we can we just save that? We don't need to hear those names just yet. Can we relax? Well, hey, you, you said it, and I so know. I just mentioned some names. Not those guys. <laughs> but... um. You know, this I thought this week was a, a good test of what could potentially unfold and some scary defensive fronts, some really, really good defensive units that Nevada really kind of needs to match with their high-potent offense. So we need to see more improvement, and there's nothing wrong with that, but ultimately coming out with a win is what you always kind of want to see. So And Nevada's jump start really came not even from the offensive end from the defensive end dom got a sack and then nevada got the ball right back drove down the field we kick a field goal and then of course the 33 yard touchdown pass from strong to romeo dubs that almost did it didn't even look like a catch in real time the replay showed he was in barely two like that it was very was close catch. yeah it was a catch but very that, close and he was wide open so strong almost overthrew yeah. Yeah, like you said, Strong wasn't always on target as much as this game as he was these previous three weeks. But, I, you know, we've seen the defense make plays throughout this whole year that kind of helps fuel our offense in some sort of way. And once again, another slow start, New Mexico kind of getting its way up front. Credit to the Nevada defense once again for standing strong and at least keeping the game within control. You know, we've seen going back to Utah State, how Utah State jumped out to a 9 nothing lead, and that's all it was until Nevada really found its groove offensively, and some pieces of that can be said this week against, or last week, against New Mexico. The Nevada defense just holding strong, just holding just enough to let the offense kind of find its rhythm and see what the opponent's throwing at them, and that ultimately led to a, another close win. Strong pick wasn't, we'll talk about that since it ended his 299 pass attempt streak. He barely overthrew Stovall on, on a seam route. Jarek Reed made a great play. Credit, and I don't really blame Strong for that. No, I don't. It's just, it was just an overthrow it that just happens. It just happens, you know. And it hasn't happened to him much this year, but it happens. No, it hasn't happened through 292 passes until that point. 99. My apologies. 199. Why do I keep getting the number wrong? I don't know why. But no, you've gotten it right. Just that, not that time. It's okay. It's okay. See, we all make mistakes. <laughs> See, that's that's the motto. You know, Strong throws a pick. I get his statistic wrong. You know, that's like an interception on my part. But then he came back in the second half and threw a 61-yard dime to Dubs again. 
and then a 59-yarder later. I mean, big plays. We've seen it all year. It's what fuels us. Like when that 61-yarder happened, it almost was just a no reaction. It was just like, oh. Oh, Another one. Another one. Cool. And then a 59-yarder, and I'm just sitting there just laughing. It's like, oh, again. Another one. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of sad how we're getting used to those types of plays, but because we didn't see that at all last year. It's how good they've been this year. That's how just the Dubs has had four touchdowns of 50-plus yards and two of 60. I mean, he's just been... Through four games. That's a touchdown per fi- from 50 yards per game on average. Kind of hard to not get used to it at this point. I shouldn't, but I am. No, I mean, it's... Like you said, Nevada is taking advantage of some of these lower-level defenses, and you're seeing the big plays galore. And I hope that continues. I wish I saw more versus New Mexico, but hey, we got our dose of two. Yeah, I mean, that 61-yarder, that touchdown to Romeo was just... Beautiful on both aspects, the throw and the catch was very nice. (laughs) But ultimately, you know, heading into that fourth quarter, we see credit New Mexico once again for fighting, staying within the game. And, you know, they started kind of finding their groove offensively. And Nevada opened that quarter with a bad drive. Just just not a good one. Just a bad drop by dubs. I mean, he had open field right right in front of him. He could have gotten a chunk of potentially 15, 20-plus yards, and he just dropped it. And he, I mean, he was upset with himself rightfully after. I think he caught a pass for first down right after that. Yeah, I mean, do you, of, think, you think he made the mistake of you know, how wide receivers immediately turn their head upfield as soon yeah. as they contact with the ball? It was a little bit of that, yeah, because he was wide open. It was almost like a, not a design pick, but it was like a rub route off of, I think it was a Stovall, again, Stovall seam route from the slot, and, and then Dubs was wide open, and, he just missed it. And ultimately, that kind of stalled the drive. And once again, the Lobos stormed their way back the field, score a touchdown, bring it to a one-possession game. And all of a sudden, just as Nevada was starting to kind of pull away, that they, they tied. They battled right back. And credit them. And isn't that on the ensuing drive is when the penalties really start piling up again, the false start, the holding? Yeah. I mean... It's Those been plaguing good. us all year. Those weren't good at all. It That is just, the penalties have really killed us in a lot of aspects. That's just, it's just not what you want to see, especially in that moment of the game. You want to see, you know, Nevada take care of business. But ultimately, credit Nevada defense for just staying strong on both ends. We didn't see any scoring from the rest of the game. And great play by Burdell on the, defensive end to break that pass up in the you know the waning moments and Nevada comes out with another victory yeah yeah do you have any more to add I mean no just defense standing strong once again making plays and on to SDSU which is the real test for the year biggest games thus far yeah we'll be recording SDSU this week by far the biggest game up to this point this season Nevada's first real test that they've had at Lawler Event Center, or not Lawler Event Center, at Mackey Stadium. Basketball on the mind. I got basketball on the mind, yeah. Um, that'll be a 12-30 game. That's not even going to be a night game. It's it's, it's kind of weird, right? Uh, Did you just... Yeah, I just realized that. That's going to be fun. Yeah, okay. it's going to be fun. I wish it was a nighttime primetime game, but it's not. It's okay. Nighttime primetime. Did I just say that in a sentence? Yeah. You're starting to rhyme like me. I don't like it. 
Anyways, thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Give us a rating. Five-star rating, in fact. And... <laughs> what are you laughing for? Give us a rating. Five-star rating. A five-star rating. Please I, give I us mean, a five-star rating. Yeah, please do that. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow.